It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, James Rapine. Jake Lisko, the other host of this podcast, going to join us in segment three. We're splitting the show today. So you get a little bit of me for the weekend mailbag, a little bit of Jake, all together comes together for one big ass weekend mailbag. And we have a ton to get to. Pardon my French there. I'm excited. It's the weekend. And Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. So make sure you subscribe if you're new to the podcast. Thank you for listening, by the way. Subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, be sure to leave us a five-star review so more Bengals fans can find out about us. Because we're the only daily Bengals podcast out there. The only daily one, Locked on Bengals. So you might as well subscribe if you're a Bengals fan, right? All right, let's dive into it. We do this each and every week. It is the weekend mailbag. And the way it works is you submit your questions online on Twitter at Locked on Bengals. So if you're not following, follow there. We love answering your questions. We love interacting with all of our listeners. You guys are the reasons uh, reason why we're able to do this on a, a daily basis. So let's start with Cincy Bengals on Twitter. And he spells it B-I, probably taking a shot at the franchise or whatever. Anyways, it looks like he might have just joined Twitter to get a question. And shout out to him if that's the case, assuming you're a he. If you're a she, shout out to you either way. Anyways, the, the account says, long-time listener, first-time caller. Love that. Do you see any scenario where A.J. Green returns to the Bengals next season? Also, thank you guys for providing quality Bengals talk during these long off-seasons. One, thank you so much for listening and chiming in and interacting. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. That's why we do these mailbags. It's, it's fun to talk with you. And it, as far as A.J. Green's future... I would say, and I'll just give it a percentage because you never say never. That's one thing I learned early on. You never want to do that. You never say never. There you go. That's it. That's the only time you can say never. Um, 90 to 95% shot that he's elsewhere. Whether it's a Kansas City or a Green Bay, maybe a New Orleans, depending on their quarterback situation, a contending team. That's where I see A.J. Green. I see him taking a a, a lower end type deal to get it done. I could also see him go to like the Rams. I know he's worked in the offseason with Matthew Stafford, really believes in Matthew Stafford. Can you imagine AJ Green joining that offense? They might be looking for more of a speed threat, but I, I could see that happening. But here's the, the scenario, right? If there is a scenario where AJ ends up back in Cincinnati, it's a, a pretty simple one. One, his market isn't what he is hoping it is. Those contending teams I just named aren't interested. The Bengals maybe try to bring back a Mike Thomas doesn't work. Maybe go after a free agent or two doesn't work. And AJ is still out there. Could I see a scenario where they bring him back a one year, $5 million deal? I could. 
I just think it's unlikely because it was clear he didn't fit right in Zach Taylor's system. I don't think they necessarily saw eye to eye from an X's and O's standpoint. And if you're AJ Green, you're going to be 33 years old. You want to win. You talked about the the desire to be a Hall of Famer. Well, you got to win to do that. Do that. And you got to put up numbers. And he was healthy for all 16 games last year and didn't do that in the system. So I think he goes elsewhere. Uh, I would I would think Kansas City and the Rams would probably be near the top of his list. But there are a lot of teams where A.J. Green could end up. Let's stick with wide receivers Greg Luther, who is a a really, really uh, loyal listener here on Locked On Bengals, asks, are the Bengals going to address wide receiver in free agency or the draft? If it's free agency, what players should we keep an eye on? And he specifically mentions Josh Reynolds and Curtis Samuel. I think both of those guys will be on their radar. They'll have a discussion. I think Curtis Samuel, even though... Jake signed him earlier this week as the GM. I think he's going to be a little too pricey. I could see a scenario where he gets 10 to $12 million per year. And it really just depends on the cap. By the way, the cap um, expected to be around $185 million in 2021, according to Tom Pelissero. He reported that late Wednesday night. So that's good news. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly would love the idea and, and love the idea of adding a Samuel. I just might be a little pricey. I think it's a little unrealistic. Not that they couldn't do it or shouldn't do it. Um, But that might be, you know, if I had to place percentage on it, that would be 10%, 15%. But it's funny you mentioned Josh Reynolds. And that that part of it is intriguing because he's a, a free agent. He played for the Rams for the past four years, obviously familiar with Zach Taylor from his days in Los Angeles. I could see that. And Bill Barnwell of ESPN did project that the Bengals sign Reynolds for a uh, two-year, $10 million deal earlier this week. By the way, side note, he had A.J. Green signing a one-year, $4 million deal with the Chiefs. I could see it. I I really could. Um, But if you get a Josh Reynolds, to me, that doesn't change your draft plans at all. That that isn't one of those moves where you're like, okay, now we don't need a wide receiver at five. You know, and it's almost like, uh, let's flip it to the offensive line. If you add a a decent tackle, a mid-range tackle, um, even you know someone that could potentially start for you, Alejandro Villanueva. That guy's older. He's not preventing me from drafting Penesul, right? If Penesul is the top player on my board, I'm still taking him, even if I signed a, a Villanueva. And I'm not saying they should sign Villanueva, but that's just the, the option. To me, Reynolds, yeah, he's 25, about to be 26. So it's not a an age thing. It's just a skill thing. You know, Mike Thomas didn't prevent you from adding T. Higgins this offseason. A healthy A.J. Green on the franchise tag didn't prevent you from adding T. Higgins. So I think the answer is both, Greg. I don't think that the Bengals are going to go after the top-tier wide receivers, the Allen Robinsons, the Kenny Galladay's, even though that would be fun. I mean, either one of those guys would be fun, right? And it would make sense if they planned on going tackle at five. You get one of those guys on free agency essentially to replace A.J. Green to be what you hoped AJ would be in this system last year. That'd be fun. I just don't see it. Josh Reynolds, much more realistic. But if you do that, I'm still on board with drafting a, a Jamar Chase in the, the you know the next round. I'm still on board, or, or in the first round, rather. I'm still on board with drafting you know Kyle Pitts, who I mocked at allbengals.com to the Bengals this week. So that's that's where I'm at. I don't think either one of those guys prevents it. Let's get one more question here. At my hot takes on Twitter, asks who's your favorite player from every other team in the AFC North. 
And this is a fun one. Uh, I'll start with Baltimore. It's Lamar Jackson. Those that listen to this podcast when I hosted it on my own back in 2018 know I was on the Lamar train and the Bengals passed on him for Billy Price, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I've always been a fan of Lamar and I know he's flawed and he's got some things he needs to work on. He's also younger than Joe Burrow, which is just insane considering the accomplishments he's already had in the NFL. Uh, let's go with Cleveland. Nick Chubb. I love him. I love the the way he goes about his business. Bengals fans, if he was in stripes, would love him. He's just a professional dude. I mean, he he's almost like the A.J. Green of running backs, where he's quiet, from Georgia, goes about his business, and he's a star. And, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes for his team to win. And uh, certainly a really, really likable guy. And then the Steelers, this one I could go two ways. T.J. Watt, obviously, uh, could, could easily be a favorite. Why wouldn't he be? But I'm going to go with Minka Fitzpatrick. M- much for the you know the same reasons Bengals fans love Jesse Bates. Minka's just all around, always around the ball. He's got such great football instincts, and players know, offensive players know, offensive coordinators know, quarterbacks know where he is. They know they need to know where he is at all times because of his playmaking ability. He's a lot of fun to watch. So those are my three if I had to name three in the NFL. And uh, we're going to continue with this weekend mailbag. There's a lot more questions about the draft, about free agency. Jake Lisko going to take over in segment three, where guess what? He's going to answer some questions that were specific to him. I like some of the questions this week because they were addressed to Jake, which makes it easier since we're splitting today's show. But first, a word from Echelon. I talk about it all the time, trying to get in shape, trying to work off that quarantine weight. Echelon can help you get there, and they can help you get there from the the comfort of your own home. And I think that's so important these days, given the climate. We're dealing with a pandemic, unprecedented times. If you're like me, you're nowhere near being eligible for the vaccine. And I don't really care how you feel about the vaccine, but my point is, is you might not be comfortable going to the gym. And even if you are, it might not be as efficient to go to the gym as it is with Echelon, where they offer all different types of fitness equipment from connected fitness bikes to fitness mirrors, rowing machines, their Echelon Stride smart treadmill. And they just released the EX7S, the state-of-the-art innovation. It takes cycling to the next level. This EX7S connected bike is built with four performance, flexibility, and durability in mind. You have to check it out. Plus, they have world-class instructors that are going to motivate you. And up to five family members can work out at the same time with Echelon. So that's huge when you talk about working out from home. Maybe your brother, your sister, your husband travels, whatever the case is. Your parents want to use it. You can use it together. And right now, you can try any of their fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash locked on. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's keep things rolling with the mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Had some good questions so far. Let's keep it going. Henry, who has a good question because 
I love this scenario, and, and this is essentially what Jake did earlier this week, but he says, hypothetically, assume the Bengals sign Taylor Moten, draft Jamar Chase, and Wyatt Davis, the Ohio State guard, and bring back Carl Lawson and franchise William Jackson. What is the ceiling and the floor of this team in 2021? Let's start with the ceiling. If you're talking about a healthy Joe Burrow throwing to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, obviously, who would be the best of that group, I would say, next year still, Joe Mixon, an offensive line that has an upgrade at guard, a significant upgrade at right tackle. Jonah Williams stays healthy. Again, this is the ceiling, so you're assuming best-case scenario. Joe Mixon is back. Zach Taylor shows he can be a high-end NFL play caller with a competent offensive line. You look at that alone, watch out. I mean, that's a team that can average 30 a game. And so you flip it, and you look at the defense. Well, that means Carl Lawson stays healthy. That means DJ Reader comes back and is the guy that they paid to be last offseason when they brought him in on that four-year, $53 million deal, the most uh, expensive, most highest-paid nose tackle in the NFL. And so if that happens, best case, it's playoffs. And, and that's my expectation. It, it, it has to be. Like, if you're talking about a 625-1 head coach, you can't give me 7-9 and nine or 8-8. Eight and eight. And I know that's an upgrade from last year. But one, the Bengals have to give Taylor the resources to show he can get this team uh, to a winning record and guide this team to a winning season. And and if they do that, then there's no reason why we can't expect that. And that's one of the many scenarios where I think they could be that. Because I think Jamar Chase, instant impact. I think Taylor Moten's one of the best right tackles in the game. So you're adding instant upgrades there. Obviously, Carl Lawson, I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. I think he's close. So that's the best case scenario. Uh, The worst case scenario would be injury, right? Joe Burrow doesn't start the season uh, because he's just, he's not ready yet. So maybe it's Brandon Allen or, or, you know, if it's worst case, maybe Ryan Finley is the backup. And I'm not trying to be mean to Ryan Finley, but that's the last thing you want to do in a make or break year if you're Zach Taylor. Uh, Zach Taylor struggles to command the locker room in the, the culture just, falls apart as he's trying to guide this team to a winning season and, and injuries get in the way of that, right? Um, you bring back Lawson on a long-term deal. He gets dinged up or isn't nearly as productive. Reader doesn't look like the same. I mean, it could go bad and I'm going extremes here because that was the, the question. Um, but I, I still think even if it goes that bad, they won four games this past season. The, the Bengals have some talent, right? They're not talentless that they have talent. And I, I just, I can't see Joe Burrow missing too many games. Um, in obviously injuries are, are always going to, to potentially get in the way of things, but I, I still say worst case, they're what a five win team, four win team. Now, uh, I, I guess if you want to go worse than that, and this is my last thing, if they don't add a Taylor Moten, if they don't add Wyatt Davis, then there's your worst case. But if they add those pieces, I still think they're you know better than they were last year, and they should have been six or seven wins in last year, and they blew it at the end. So I, I think that that's uh, that's probably the worst case a five to six win team. Up next, tip the Bengals at Ireland's Who Day asks, how does this year's three top three wide receivers compare to last year's big three, and who in this year's class could be the next Justin Jefferson? 
I think this year's big three is better than last year's big three. I think Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, I think they're better. The difference in this class versus last year's class, I think Justin Jefferson, the, the next Justin Jefferson is a guy like Devontae Smith, right? Uh, in Henry Ruggs, as good as, as people thought he was, I never thought he should be the number one receiver taken last year. And I think Jalen Waddle's better. And I think Jamar Chase is better than all of them. But there are people that think Waddle's the best receiver in this class. There are people that think that Smith is the best receiver in this class. So I think the top three, and we don't have numbers yet, pro days and all that, but I think the top three as prospects are better this year. But wide receivers four through seven or eight last year are much, much better. And, and that's the difference, right? Like you're getting Justin Jefferson as the the fourth wide receiver off the board well i think he's much better than Kadarius tony as a prospect and we saw it uh t higgins the sixth wide receiver brandon ayuk the fifth and i might be off a little bit but like think about the depth there uh that that went off the board even Pittman, michael Pittman jr showed flashes for indianapolis this year even though he battled through some injuries so uh chase claypool another guy in the third round to me this is more of a top-heavy draft class at wide receiver, where if you're not taking one at five, if you're the Bengals, you're probably not taking one in the second round, and it's maybe, maybe third round, but I think the value is either at five or then early day three in the fourth round, where you're getting pretty good value. Not saying that you can't find a guy that can contribute later on in the draft if you don't get one at five. I just don't think that'll be the best player on the board in the second round or the third round. But it certainly could be in in round one at the fifth pick, even if a guy like Sewell's there. And let's keep it going with Jason, who asks, if Chase and Sewell are both there at five, and assuming the Bengals adequately fix the offensive line and free agency, what would you do with the pick? And what do you think the Bengals would do? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. It, it's Chase. I would do Chase. Like if you if you significantly upgrade the offensive line, so let's say you keep Quentin Spain and you go out uh, you have Xavier Suofilo, and then you go out and you pay Taylor Moten or Trent Williams, or I'll give you one more, Daryl Williams, one of those guys. So it, it, two Williamses uh, at, at tackle potentially, and if not, Taylor Moten. I like my chances there, and I like my chances of getting a guard on day two, uh, maybe a potential tackle that you can move into guard, which which is certainly something that could be on the table. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at then is, oh, okay, well you could still upgrade guard and you have capable guards, but now you can go get this bona fide star in Jamar Chase that just completely upgrades everything, makes Joe Burrow's life so much easier. He wants to be better with the deep ball. Well, what better way than bringing a guy who's going to excel in that role? And so I, I think that that's a very much, uh, a debate that's going to go back and forth, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if at the end of the day, a guy like Jamar Chase, uh, a Kyle Pitts even, is ahead of Penesu on the Bengals draft board. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me at all. And it wouldn't shock me at all if that's the case today. Let's take one more, and then I'm going to turn it over to Jake for the final segment of the mailbag. Josh Reeser asks, hash browns with ketchup or syrup? Josh, what are you doing, my man? What are you doing? Syrup. I love syrup. I do. Uh, you know, with chicken and waffles or waffles or uh, anything of that nature, pancakes, hash browns, it's not just ketchup, my man. It's ketchup and hot sauce. It's a concoction. You add a little spice 
to that ketchup, boom, you, you throw a, a cheese omelet on the side of that, maybe a little getta. You ever had getta? How many of you know about getta? Because getta, if you're if you're not from Cincinnati or in Cincinnati, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But the next time you come to a, a Bengals game or, or go to Cincinnati, the Queen City, you got to try getta. Um, no, it, it's ketchup all day, but you need a little hot sauce in there to, to spice it up a bit. That's my uh, that's my food take of the day. And now I'm freaking hungry, which means it's time to uh, break open a built bar or two. I'm about to crush one. Can't wait for that. Jake, up next for the final segment of the weekend mailbag. Make sure you enjoy Super Bowl 55. And speaking of Super Bowl 55, there's still time. You can wager on it. You can bet on the big game this weekend with betonline.ag. I use it. Jake uses it. You should use it. It's the only place that has you covered. The one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So it doesn't matter what you want to bet on. The over and the under in the game, the the time of the national anthem, is it going to be long? Is it going to be short? How many times are they going to mention Giselle Bunchen or show her? There's so many different things that you can bet on, including the outcome of the game. I got the Chiefs minus three. I put in my wager a couple weeks ago. We'll see if it comes true. I'm rooting for Tom Brady but my head says Chiefs. Either way, get off the sidelines, get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, everyone. As James promised, I'm Jake Lesko coming to you for the last bit of today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And I'm sitting here listening to James's portion of the mailbag, getting ready to go. And I hear the last question from Josh. And I'm going to have to put a poll up on this. Hash browns with ketchup or syrup? I just started laughing, man. And I'm 100% with James, by the way. Ketchup, some hot sauce, and I'm going to go on the record and say that Valentina hot sauce is by far my favorite hot sauce. You mix those together with your hash browns, mm, that's a savory thing, man. Hash browns are not a sweet thing for me. I want to know how many of you guys eat your hash browns with syrup or, or sugar or anything sweet like that because that is a foreign concept to me. So I just had to weigh in on that because... Uh, it was just such a, such a crazy question. That's a good one, Josh. Thank you. Thank you for providing me with that moment, but let's get into the rest of the questions in the mailbag that I will have time to answer here. And I'm just going to apologize in advance because I favored of way too many questions. There's a lot of good ones out there, 
I'm going to take some from, from some of our frequent listeners that have changed their Twitter handles just for this mailbag, I believe. The first one is the James Rapine Fan Club, at JakeNFLGoat on Twitter. And I guess flattery is a way to get your questions asked on the mailbag from time to time. He asks, what is your favorite Bengals jersey that you own? And what will be the next jersey that you get? Well, for me, I buy jerseys very infrequently. That's just, I, I don't like the way that they, they fit. I think they're too big. If they made them fit more like regular shirts, I would be very into that. But I did buy myself a 1970s throwback from Cook Sporting Goods in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow's name on it. Number nine, throwback version, the official manufacturer of Bengals jerseys back in the day. It's like a real authentic thing. I've also got a TJ Hushmanzada jersey that I really enjoy. Rudy Johnson, Chad Johnson, all the Johnsons. Those are some fun ones too. But the Joe Burrow jersey, the throwback, I spent some some fine coin on that one and that one is my favorite. The other question, the other guy that cracks me up in this mailbag is Joel. At Joel the Punk Kid on Twitter has changed his Twitter handle to Jake's Bentley Mechanic. And he said, where do you guys find your film to watch draft prospects? RIP draft breakdown. Well, man, I'll tell you this. A lot of people are still putting together the YouTube cutups. You can go out there and just search in YouTube name of player, then the letters VS, and you'll find stuff. I just found one channel, for example, FF Astronauts. Never heard of them before today. Their channel is full of cutups. They've got a couple games from Rondale Moore. They've got a game from Michael Carter and a game from Javante Williams all uploaded in the last two days. So they're actively doing it. That's probably going to be a resource for me. But generally what I do is I I go to YouTube. I type the prospect's name. I type the letters VS. And that's how I find the YouTube cutups I watch for each player. This year, I will also note we were lucky enough to get virtual credentials for the Senior Bowl, so I do have access to Coach's Film from practices and from the game for Senior Bowl stuff, but obviously that's a limited amount of players. And my Bentley mechanic says that my Mazda is ready for pickup, so uh, clearly Joel is paying a lot of attention to the podcast. I got a kick out of the name change, Joel. That was a good laugh. Let's get into the questions from the people that aren't sucking up to James and I specifically. The first one from Mike Souse, the Mike Souse on Twitter. He asks for us to explain the salary cap parlance in the simplest terms. He understands how contracts works with the guaranteed and the per year, but he's never wrapped his head around. The contract is X, but if he's cut, it's a cap hit of Y. The very basic gist of this is that there's certain money that the team has already paid to a player. Usually this is a signing bonus that's prorated over the life of a contract. So let's take, for example, Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes signed a three-year deal with a $15 million signing bonus and a variable base salary. The Bengals are on the hook for that signing bonus and it's prorated over the life of the contract. So we've got $5 million from that $15 million signing bonus that the Bengals are on the hook for in 2020 through 2022 per year. So if the Bengals were to cut Trey Waynes this year, they incur a dead cap hit of the remaining money that is prorated from that initial deal. And that is the signing bonus. There are some exceptions to this when there's guaranteed salary in play, for example. But the reason that Trey Waynes has such a big cap hit next year is that his base salary escalates. So what you see is that 
Signing bonuses are prorated. They're equal over every year, $5 million per year. But in Wayne's case, his base salary changes every year. So this year, he has a cap hit of nearly $16 million because his base salary goes up. He has a roster bonus. He has a workout bonus. And that all comes together to form his cap hit. The dead cap hit for the Bengals, if he were to be cut this year, is $10 million because that's the outstanding signing bonus money. After 2021, just sticking with this contract because it's new and relatively simple with the numbers, that dead cap hit goes to $5 million if he's cut, and the overall cap hit is $16 million. So if they were to cut him this year, they would save only $6 million against the cap, and they would take a $10 million dead cap hit which comes entirely from that prorated signing bonus. And if they were to cut him in 2022, they would take just a $5 million dead cap hit and would save $11 million, the difference between the $16 million cap hit and the $5 million of signing bonus money that's still on the books on the cap in 2022. So essentially what's happening is there are certain monies that are paid. Signing bonus is all paid up front. He got all of that $15 million of cash when he signed the deal. But in terms of salary cap, it's prorated over the life of the contract. And so you'll see this happen when teams restructure deals. They'll take base salary from a year and convert it into a a roster, a signing bonus. So the Steelers have done this a lot with Ben Roethlisberger, where they'll take, say, his $20 million of salary and prorate it over the remaining life of the deal, which would allow them to take maybe a $20 million cap hit from this year and maybe split it over two years. The problem with that approach is that eventually it catches up. Eventually you can't restructure anymore and you've just built your way. You've restructured your way into cap hell and then you have to claw your way out or just take a year where you're just dealing with the restrictions of a very limited spending pool. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Really, it comes down to that signing bonus in most cases where there's dead cap hits that a team has to endure. And they can often shed the the outstanding unguaranteed salary. The salary is the bit that you usually can save. Maybe there are roster bonuses that you can save. Maybe there are workout bonuses that you can save. But the signing bonus is money that's just on the books against the cap that teams are stuck with no matter what they do. So I hope that helped. And I'm going to move on to the next question. This one from Drew at LWOS Drew on Twitter. He asks if I have any pet peeves when it comes to analyzing the draft, i.e. player X is going to be a bust just because he came from a certain school. I mean, that's definitely one, right? People that say uh, SEC quarterbacks never get it done in the NFL or he is a pass rusher from the Pac-10. He couldn't possibly be good or There's never been a good quarterback from Ohio State. I I don't buy any of that stuff. You evaluate the prospect. You don't evaluate the school. I think that there's something to be said about quality of competition, but that's just a piece of it. So my, my biggest thing about analyzing the draft is when people wholesale dismiss certain aspects of a prospect's profile. For me, it really needs to be a holistic process. So for... Devonte Smith, for example, you can look at his tape and say, hey, yeah, he's really good. Look at his production. It was great. I'm just going to ignore the fact that he's 170 pounds at over six feet tall and he's really skinny. I'm just going to ignore that because it was never an issue for him in college. 
but we have all this history that says that can be an issue in the NFL. Likewise, a guy like DK Metcalf, a lot of people got really focused on that, that three cone drill and, and the inverse kind of happened there. Right. And so it's really a, a delicate balancing act. But for me, the important thing to remember is that no one thing defines a prospect. You really have to consider the entire package when you're analyzing a draft prospect. And so what really bugs me is when people lose track of that and tunnel vision on just one thing. And man, does time fly. I've unfortunately only got time for one more question. This one from Chad Blackburn at Blackburn22C. He shouts out Tony Pike, who favorited the tweet. And I know that you did that, Tony. So I'm answering the question for you and for Chad. Chad says he's with Tony. He's going to let William Jackson and Carl Lawson walk. He asks, why do the Bengals have to spend $30 million million on two guys from a bottom-of-the-league defense when that money could be used on serviceable defensive free agents and wide receiver offensive line help? Shouldn't progress of Joe be priority number one? So you tell me where you're going to spend that money better and get better players than, than Jackson and or Lawson. It doesn't have to be both necessarily. But if you let both walk, you have Trey Waynes and you have questions at cornerback. And now you have to go get a bunch of cornerbacks just to fill out the roster. If you let Carl Lawson walk, well, now you've got Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, maybe Josh Tupo. I don't know if he's an every down player as much as I like him. And Khaled Kareem, who's a spot player very much in the mold of Sam Hubbard. You have nobody who's individually winning on the edge if you let Carl Lawson go. Carl Lawson was responsible for most of the disruption from the Bengals in the pass rush this year. So you let those guys go. You still need somebody to play defense or you're going to be giving up 45 points a game, much the way we saw them do a lot this year. But the problem is those two guys weren't the problem. Yeah, the defense was bad, but if you lose the good players on a bad defense, it's just going to get worse. So, yeah, maybe it's not those two guys, but even if it's not those two guys, they're going to need to spend resources on the defense because they're an NFL team and they're not just going to ignore one side of the ball. That being said, I do agree that Joe Burrow needs to be priority number one. They absolutely need to fix the offensive line this offseason. Last year, we talked about it all the time. The Bengals kept sending us signals that they thought the offensive line was fine. We knew it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't. Well, this year, it's a little bit different, and they're sending signals through various media members that they are willing to address the offensive line, that they know that they need to address the offensive line. And I do think they're a self-aware enough organization that I, I think that they're going to do the right thing on offense, but we'll see, right? We'll see what colors the Bengals are truly flying. They can easily get to a a situation where they have more cap space than any other AFC North team. Although the Browns can also get there if they make a few cap cuts as well. And I talked a lot about this, by the way, on the Locked on NFL podcast that I I started. My first episode on that was yesterday. Just a little self-promotion there. Please go check that out if you want to listen to me talk about the entire NFL more than I talk about the Bengals. And if the Bengals have that much money, They can absolutely fix the offensive line or try. You know, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe they sign Taylor Moten and and something happens. 
you never know, right? Every free agent signing is a risk, but they have enough money to try. And they have enough money to try even if they try to keep William Jackson and Carl Lawson. Because you have to remember that even if their contracts are $15 million a year, and I'm not sure if they are or they're not, they might be a little bit less. Their cap hits in year one and year two are not necessarily that big. We just talked about Trey Waynes. His cap hit in year one was relatively small because his base salary in year one was relatively small. His cap hit balloons next year because his base salary balloons next year. You can do the same thing with William Jackson and Carl Lawson if you use some signing bonus money to prorate those cap hits over the life of the contract. You can also use a franchise tag. You can look at the uh, the transition tag. And those are both things that I strongly consider for William Jackson at this point because that's only a one-year commitment. So those are your options. It's not an either-or thing. It's not like you're keeping bad players in Carl Lawson and William Jackson. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If, if those two guys walk, your only studs on defense are Jesse Bates and DJ Reader. And maybe you have some competent play at linebacker if Logan Wilson takes a step. And, and you like Von Bell. I think Von Bell's a, a totally fine and good player. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We will be back on Sunday. It'll be the Super Bowl. We'll be recording before the Super Bowl. We look forward to talking to you then. On Monday, Mike Renner from PFF, their lead draft analyst, will join the show. We're looking forward to that episode as well. And I get to put James through the GM hat ringer. He gave me an A-. We'll see if he can beat that grade when he goes through the mock offseason next week. Until then, Bengals fans, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.